0: Girls all around.
1: Cheers, y'all. Well,
2: well, well, well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine little Skype infused program known worldwide as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. It is so great to have you all on the show today. <clears throat> it's show number 183, and we're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by b and Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave. in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, B.B. Italia on Memorial in Houston, and B.B. Lemon on Washington Ave., as well as the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. Ian, I have it on Good Authority. That the current plan is for B and B to reopen in a socially social distancing safe sort of way uh, on the fourteenth of May. So awesome! You'll be able, so you'll be able to once again go back. You just won't be able to sit really close to
0: other diners. Which you know, don't forget, don't forget. In the meantime, you can go by there and pick up one of those badass steaks and the chef Tommy. Uh, and the and chef, chef Tommy, Tommy bacon kit that you make at your house, the bacon is like it's just like as thick as this cigar. Yeah, yeah, it's well, awesome. To the
2: show. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is a very exciting show day because we don't always land it right on, but this time we did. Today is Ian's birthday. Yay! <laughs> Happy birthday to you. I won't.
0: I'm officially an old man today.
2: <laughs> uh, it's official. You mean?
0: I'm officially an old man.
2: Well, uh, Ian, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, we have some interesting uh, cigars to smoke, and we have some uh, interesting uh, beverages, no doubt, to uh, to be checking out. Plus, um, news on the cigar front, they've extended the deadline for the FDA approval, uh, and that's a good thing. It's mostly because of the virus, but it's, it's a helpful thing for the cigar industry. Uh, and we also have information about a contest that JP Newman, uh, which is a uh, company that owns Brick House and a number of other cigar brands, mm-hmm. they're launching a contest where you can win a perfect chair for your man cave. And, oh! Uh, and to compete, you have to smoke some cigars. So I'm thinking this um, is just the kind of contest that I might
0: be able to. Uh, I feel do. I feel I might be uniquely qualified. For this contest, actually,
2: I, I think you, I think you hit all, you check all the boxes,
0: you all the <laughs> right? Like, I you feel hit, like
2: uh, all the qualifications. Oh, now you just waved that cigar in front of the camera enough for me to see what it was. Uh,
0: so mm-hmm. uh, yesterday, yes, I went, I went down to all oh, my troubles were so far away. Oh, sorry, that's different. Um, yesterday I went down to uh, Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. Yeah, and uh, to pick up some cigars and say hi to Alan, of course, which yes. it did. We had a great conversation and hung out, and um, and I was just grabbing a few cigars out of Humidor, and he uh, he I'm gave sorry, me a happy birthday.
2: Someone, someone is apparently
0: what? What is happening here?
2: crashing the live show. <laughs>
0: what, what is happening? What's going on? Suddenly, I feel like Chris Hart, and I'm being squished out of here. <laughs>
2: Uh, Alan, you look. Am I stuck the- in
0: this box? What is going on here?
2: Apparently, Alan Denny, ladies and gentlemen, has joined the show, and it looks like he may be on standing on Mister Twirly You were moving all around there, Alan.
0: good to see either that or he's having a, a, a an earthquake. So uh, I was just telling the story about coming down to see you, and you giving me a birthday present.
3: Happy oh. birthday! Happy birthday!
2: Steph. It it looks like, I think we may know who Alan likes best, because the birthday present he gave me was this uh, E.P. Carrillo from JR Cigars, and we talked about this uh, in our virtual smoke fest on Saturday, Uh, and I promised to actually smoke one on the show uh, so I could talk a little bit about it, because uh, my past experience with these, has not been too good. So um, Alan will fill us in on what. Alan couldn't couldn't quite see what you were smoking there. Could see the end of it. But couldn't see the label.
3: Ah. Uh, I am smoking. I don't know what the lighting. I, I, my lighting is probably terrible. I'm actually smoking the E.P. Carrillo. Uh, from their. The Rebel series. This is the Rebellious. It is a mm. full body cigar.
2: So you're smoking a
0: good E.P. Carrillo. As yeah. opposed to the one that I'm smoking. So, here, so. And pause for just a second. Alan, I want you to do me a favor, because we can get your face in here a lot better. I want you to just show everybody that amazing view from your um from your back patio at the cigar lounge. This is if if you guys are tuning in and you haven't been down here, this. Now uh, get your head out the way. There you go. This is you just sit out back and this is what you're looking at. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, how awesome is that? Not a damn thing. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. All right. Now, if you were to put your face back in there but get it faced away from that beautiful view, we probably could see it. There you go. There we go. I'll come over here and sit down in one of these comfy chairs. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: Well, you've got the right kind of cigar to sit in the chair. (laughs) Good to see you, bro. That's a good thing. (laughs) So, Ian, apparently Alan has decided to pod crash for your birthday show. Well, I
0: mean, I can't stop him. (laughs) <laughs> i mean i can try to push him out of the frame here you know, let's see mm-hmm. that's not working i haven't been able to push you out of the frame either <laughs> neither one of those is working mm. well
2: alan welcome to the show it's show number 183 uh it is Ian's birthday show and we are uh gonna just have a uh, good time and smoke a little and drink a little and uh, talk about uh talk about what's going on in the world. Oh, I wanted to say a couple of big highs. I see um uh apparently uh, Ian your uh, your nephew is on the on the chat. I just wish you a happy birthday. Awesome. And and wow, this is cool. Maria Todd is watching. Maria Todd. I have oh. spent I've spent hours of my life listening to Maria Todd. Now she's listening to me. Wow, that's that's a cool uh reversal of fortune. <laughs> I listened to her for a long time. Mm, one of the uh, one of the funniest people I know, Maria Todd. She is she is awesome. So thanks, Maria, for so, joining the show.
0: I thought I'd let you know that I'm I'm smoking my birthday cigar that I got from Alan there, and I lit it with my birthday lighter that you gave me last year. Oh, ah,
2: very good. Now speaking of birthday, Ian, I should let you know that a uh, package is winging its way to your house. I think the estimated delivery said it should be there by. Uh, saturday and i want you to know it's from me it's for your birthday you'll you'll know it was from me when you when you get it and i want you to know that i've spared every expense noted (laughs) it was it
0: was actually the least you could do you checked you did the math it It was was the least
2: (laughs) (laughs) Those, those people that say it's the thought that counts they're not the ones that got a shitty gift. A five pack of those JR cigars.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I've lit this one up and and uh, started it. We talked about this every couple of weeks. We've been doing a uh, smoking and toasted virtual smoke fest, a Zoom chat on um, on um, uh, a Saturday afternoon, and we did one of them last week. And I was talking about having smoked one of these, and Alan. Gave me some background on it, but I'll just say, um, you know how we often talk about cigars having uh, the pre light being kind of earthy, but it's in a good way. This one, the pre light is earthy and it's not in such a good way. So my expectations were ramped down for this just by the pre light. But I will say, I got it from JR Cigar. I'm sorry, it's not from JR Cigar. Apologies, JR. It was from Cigars International. And no. I was right the first time. Sorry, I'm easily confused. Anyway, <laughs> it was their Crafted by series. And I had ordered before uh, some of their Crafted by Oliva. They were inexpensive, and they were pretty good. They were just a good sort of uh, everyday cigar. So I uh, I thought uh, they had some of these on sale, and I thought I'll try it. I like E.P. Carrillo. I liked everything that I had smoked from them. And I ordered it, and this would be the third one of the batch that I've smoked. And uh, I have to say, the first two were very underwhelming, very, very disappointing. They weren't, I won't go so far as to say they were terrible, but they weren't good. And Alan, when I was talking about this cigar and saying, you know, what gives? I mean, Ipicarillo, they're, you used to work for those guys. They, their batting averages is, is quite high. What Any idea what may have happened to this one?
3: Yeah, they're garbage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but. I'm still surprised they would put their name on it. So, so where where does this come from?
3: Well, you know it it it's one of those things. You know that uh, that little white dot on the top of chicken shit. Well, that's chicken <laughs> shit too. Um, unfortunately, just because you put a great band on something doesn't make it a good cigar. That cigar is it, it, it's a it's a short filler cigar. They use bottom of the barrel stuff. Um, basically, Jr. wants a cigar with Ernesto's name on it. They probably want to pay fifty cents a stick, and the only way to do that is fill it with short filler and and subpar tobacco. And it's just not a good
2: stick. So this is a short filler cigar then.
3: Now I've had some short filler
2: cigars before that, although they were. You know, a bit flaky, and the ash tended to get on my shirt, Ian style. Um, the, the, the flavor wasn't wasn't
3: bad on them. This one, I'm I'm not crazy about the flavor uh, either. And and the problem is as we were kind of talking about on Saturday is with some of those cigars because people are so budget conscious. The companies that want to buy them are budget conscious, so they use the the trimmings as most companies do, but Some companies, like let's say they get a a short filler cigar, and they usually use the trimmings of a certain cigar time after time after time. So there's at least a consistent taste, and it's not a bad taste. With those, to get it as cheap as possible, they use the short trimmings of whatever's available. And so today, they may be down in the factory uh, rolling Rebel, okay? And then... They may be rolling some couple of things, crown heads, and maybe they're also rolling an encore. Tomorrow, they could be rolling dust and cardinal, whatever whatever's needed. So then they're going to get the short trimmings from those. And to make it you know a, a shorter story, basically they put all them short trimmings in a bucket. And oh. it's all kept together, and then it's just all – then when Jr. says, okay, we need 5,000 of these things – well, then they put five thousand of them together, and they use whatever short trimmings they've got. So they're they're very inconsistent. The only thing I'm willing to venture that you get out of that is it's still a well constructed cigar.
2: Well, you can see it's burning real nicely here. You yeah. know, it's not a not a problem with the burn and short filler. I would imagine is even harder to get uh, a decent yes. burn. It, yes. our, I can only assume short filler is harder to roll than yeah. a long
3: filler cigar. No, because uh one day, you know, you know what would be cool as heck? And I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. We'll figure out how to do this. But we're gonna take a, a trip down to a factory. And what we need to do is for smoking and toasting, show people how a cigar is made. Maybe you we can do it in the factory. That'd be great. Yeah. And so there's a machine, I'm sure y'all have seen it called a Lieberman machine. Mm-hmm. It's got this big handle like a slot machine wheel. Well, what the, what the Bunchero, the person that actually makes the cigar, not the roller, but the Bunchero, what they do is they take a binder leaf, and they put that binder leaf into the Libra machine, and then they put whatever tobacco they're going to bind around them. Now, normally, that's long leaves or long filler. But they can, they can drizzle up, you know, whether it's uh, a quarter of a cup, a half a cup, an eighth of a cup, whatever, of that short filler. And that binder will wrap it up and roll it nice and tight and then put it in a mold, and the mold locks it in. And it's all in there because that binder actually gets rolled around it twice the way the Lieberman does. So it holds it all in there very nicely, and it's very compact because the Lieberman machine actually does that.
0: Yeah, you can actually smoke a cigar without a wrapper, just
3: with the binder. It'll hold itself intact. Of course. There's actually a machine. Uh, uh, machine. There's actually a cigar from LFD that is a very, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, yeah, Will, it's called the Lennox. <laughs> I'll name it. You're not going to name it, but the initials are Lennox. I love the Lennox. It's a great stick, but I actually like that cigar better with the wrapper off of it. Huh? How do you know that? <laughs> so, <laughs> did, you, did you have a did you have a catastrophic fail at some point? I did. Um, back when I was working at that cigar shop that shall not be named, uh, uh-huh. I cut one, and it was just, it, it. the cap wasn't glued on very well, and so it started to come unrolled, and, and I said, well, screw this, and I just took the wrapper off of it, and I kept smoking the cigar, and it was great. I actually did a thing on Facebook <laughs> saying if anybody can tell me what i'm smoking and that it's great you know i'll send them a 10 pack of cigars from the shop (laughs) i said i'll answer yes or no questions to help you figure it out and it took about 50 questions to get through it but somebody actually guessed what i was smoking and but i actually enjoy that cigar better without the wrapper that's pretty funny so you
2: sent them a 10 pack of uh the EP uh crafted by EP Carrillo from JR, uh, is what you. E. No, e.
3: I don't right? know what I sent him. I just sent him a hodgepodge of stuff there from the store.
2: Well, I won't say too much more about this cigar, except for two things. Number one, oddly, Alan, this one is much better. I'm not going to say it's good, but it's much better than the first two of these I smoked. So that that could point to your theory about the bucket. These short filler pieces might have come from a different bucket, um, and the, and then, uh, secondly, I will say that I actually came prepared because I knew I probably wouldn't get that far on this one. So, at some point during the show, uh, I'm going to be lighting up a uh, PDR 1878 Maduro Toro. So, uh, I'm excited about this. Abe Flores. Say that. Abe Flores. Yeah, The owner of PDR. I have not
0: had uh, this particular PDR uh, before, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. So so, so I, just, had, I just want to point back to that, that previous cigar you were smoking. So it's a short filler cigar. It's from a good company, uh, E.P. Carrillo. But the problem is not that the short filler is bad quality. It's that it's not blended in a way that makes any sense. Correct. That's what we're getting at. So it could be, like, for instance, a really good uh, jelly casserole and Alfredo. Which are both good on our own, but don't go well together. So you end up Correct. with bad flavors. Correct. That makes sense. That makes sense. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, was, uh, I'm not having any of those issues with my cigar.
2: I'm guessing you're probably not. So, And in fairness, by the way, uh, the last uh, cigar that Alan gave me was a uh, one of those wonderful H. Upman by AJ's. The uh, Oh,
0: those were good.
2: The, oh, man. You talk about those are a real good cigar. So, so.
0: so this so, is. is this is apparently, while well, I was sitting there in the uh, uh, shop yesterday, Alan got a call from me. This is apparently what you were calling him about, I take it? Well, uh, <laughs> he had mentioned his desire
1: to podcast so... Uh,
3: <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to facilitate Why that. I, that so. You know, here's the funny thing. Every time I pod crash, I get invited to pod crash. See, <laughs> See? That's the way it works. That's, that's the way we do things here.
2: That is exactly the way we do things. Hey, uh, speaking of... Uh, uh, of, of having people on the show, have either of you guys talked to Chris Hart? How is our resident whiskey expert doing?
0: I uh, hadn't seen him in a while. Uh, he's posted on Facebook here and there, but yeah, no telling. I'm stuck in this box right here. That I can't. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to uh, out of. Uh, we're yeah, the last time him. I talked to him was on the show.
2: All right.
0: That's been a while.
2: Well, we're gonna have to invite him on. <laughs> All right, so the kazoo made its debut on our last uh, virtual smoke fest on Saturday. <laughs> that, was a, uh, uh, that was a that was that was a moment. <laughs> yes. Bam, bam. Right, so, so Ian, we know what you're smoking. What are you going to be tasting on the show
0: today? Oh well, let's see. I reached into my beer fridge.
2: hmm.
0: And I have this. Oh. And Arnold Grand Crew. Oh. I don't think we've had this on the show before.
2: I don't believe we have.
0: Yeah, this is actually a beautiful, beautiful beer. We'll talk about this when it comes up. Exactly. And then, to back it up, oh. the, the Real Ale Mysterium Verum Magnum Trucks, which is a barrel-aged sour quadruple with black currants.
2: Now we've had some of the some of the real ale bottles that look like that before, but we've not had the yeah. magnum trucks. So
0: no, we haven't had the magnum trucks. We've had the uh, I have uh, a few of the bottles of the other one in there, but uh, I, and I checked. Don't worry, guys. Listen, I checked on both of these. I was very careful to make sure that neither one of them is below ten percent.
2: Okay, good. Good to know because we would be worried if you were. Yeah, I mean, I, I
0: didn't want you guys to think that you know maybe I was losing it since I'm getting old now.
2: Well, I had planned to uh, taste this on last week's show. And then we were just in such, um, you know, whiskey uh, cask finished heaven that I decided I didn't want to, I didn't want to like uh, try it. We right ran out of time, but also I didn't want it to be a palate wrecker because, I, and I don't know if it will be or not. <laughs> but this is from Rogue, the guys that do Dead Guy Ale and they do a whiskey as well. This is their Bat Squatch. It is a hazy IPA, and I'll tell you all about the bat and, squash and what he's uh, what he's all about. But I'll be tasting that one on the show, and then and, and then I'll also be tasting something that I can taste much better than I can pronounce. And I know I get this wrong; Ian corrects me every time because I always call it pfrem or Pafram, but it's actually
0: I think it's just frem.
2: Yeah, it's a frem. It's from the frem family of brewers. This is their bourbon barrel imperial stout. And it's just in a twelve-ounce bottle, not a big bomber, uh, but uh, it's already been barrel-aged for twelve months, and it was their twenty nineteen. I've had it for three or four months, so this should be uh, this should be just about prime. So I look forward to that as well. So yes, sir. All right, so uh, gentlemen, before we go uh, before we go uh, any further, uh, Alan, you, you always have a few things there at the that are that are worth tasting i
3: know yeah unfortunately because we were trying to get my skype set up i didn't have a chance to pour anything ah. so what i am gonna do is when y'all take your first break i'm gonna have to set the phone down on the chair and go and i already have something to drink i just haven't had it it's a it's a buffalo bayou product so it takes it's got that nice wax seal on it so i gotta cut it open and uh and pour it and it's something that uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all had it on the show, but I know we had it at the Whiskey Social.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Nice. Nice. Well, I will mention that uh, on the
2: Skype version of the show, which we have been doing, we actually haven't been taking the break. So you'll just have to
3: You're just going to have to run, run baby. Run. At
2: any point. All right. Well, well I'll see y'all back in just a minute. Before you step away, you might want to take a good look at this.
3: <laughs> uh, dun, 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 dun. this is
2: what I'll be tasting today. It's a tequila lay point nine two five Añejo tequila, and uh, it i I did a little cheating and uh, looked on the internets and it's getting rave reviews on the internet. so uh, was it was actually the first time i've I've seen this bottle, uh, which I picked up at specs earlier this week. so I will be looking forward to. Tasting that as well and Ian I know You've got a spirit of some sort there <laughs> For a moment I just saw The M and I just thought Malort oh,
3: So I found The greatest picture I will have to text y'all It was I, I ran across it on Facebook I don't know where I saw it but it came up in my News feed and it was How Malort is made Well <laughs> and it was somebody pouring a coca-cola over a bowl of cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. this is better yeah. than that
0: this is the uh Macambo single barrel 20 year age drum um and this is the art Editions. So the bottle as you can see is incredibly interesting and this yeah. is uh This is from the edition. It says, each bottle is a unique form of of artwork made by the Mexican artist Victor Fernandez Limon. This product has been carefully selected by professional connoisseurs, kind and extra fine. So, uh, yeah.
1: I I
2: have to admit, I'm a little surprised and quite envious. Uh, You don't don't normally bring a rum. That's a... uh, uh, this is this is a wonderful. I'm so curious as to what you're going to find when you taste that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not had that one, so.
0: Well, I'll save a little for you, but uh, I have actually, as you can see, I have actually uh, sampled. I've yeah, done re- and, research,
2: mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and it, it may not look like it, but there's been just a tiny bit taken off the <laughs> of that bad boy as well. So, yeah, uh, so. Uh, all very exciting. Well, Alan, why don't you grab whatever you're going to uh, drink, and I will uh, share with you guys. Uh, and, Alan, I really am glad we, that we've got you on the show today. Of course, you're always welcome, pod crash or not. Uh, but I really wanted to talk with you a little bit about what you're seeing in the cigar industry as uh, okay. as the different companies are companies <laughs> and, and shops and, and everybody, lounges. Everybody are trying to deal with the... Uh, Uh, you know, the fallout from all of this uh, coronavirus stuff. So um, we do have information on uh, the FDA product approval, which has been one of the biggest problems with this current legislation. And the uh, cigar industry asked for and were granted an extension of the deadline for FDA product approval reports. It was originally going to be May the 12th. It'll now be September the 9th. And the best news really for the cigar industry is, that gives us more time to fight it actually ever taking place in the first place. Uh, But it's, it's really good news because it's really hard to mount those objections and the necessary uh, court appeals and stuff that it'll take to defeat this thing when court's not in session anywhere. So uh, the extension of the deadline is, is, is a pretty important piece. It, uh, uh, it just without going into too much detail, the, the process of testing is so onerous that it would add huge expense to any cigar companies coming out with new products. And it's so inexact as it applies to cigars that it can't really be followed anyway. So it becomes just almost arbitrary whether a new cigar would be approved or not approved. And so, um, so guys, it looks like my Skype just fizzed out. If it did, I might have to... Uh, to rejoin you i can hear you but yeah you have the weird purple screen of doom yeah okay so so i'm going to try to do something weird here
0: turn off my camera and turn it back on that worked but now you're on the other side of me yeah
2: oh well you know i like
0: you just went from this side of the screen to this side of the screen now i don't think that changed the screen that everyone else is seeing but it's now it's disorienting me (laughs) <laughs> well that's that's okay. We could we can handle that. So, uh, uh,
2: so I, I guess we might as well Ian get started with a little beer tasting here. Why don't you, uh, why, don't you crack that right. first, uh, why don't you crack that first light
0: beer you I have? never thought you would ask. Actually I knew you'd ask. I have to reach over here to my handy dandy okay. bottle opener on a pole.
2: Okay. While you do while you taste this Ian I actually uh, uh, forgot to bring one thing out to my uh, setup here and that's a glass for my beer so I'm gonna run in and grab one of those and all right, to- I will wax poetically me, while you let's are get gone really waxing poetic about beer I hope you can handle that assignment
0: as you can see I'm pouring myself just a taste of this beer and the nice thing about having your earpiece piece in is you'll be able to hear me the whole time right yes yes and I'll
2: back. <laughs> I just, all I need is a glass so
0: so this is the uh, St. Arnold Grand Cru, 25th Anniversary Grand Cru. Um, and as they say on their site, I actually have it up on here, uh, uh, he actually talks quite a bit about this beer and, um, and his, uh, we're talking about uh, Brock from St. Arnold, talks about all of his uh, history and what this beer meant for him, 25th Anniversary, but... Uh, he uh, states, in the beer world, Grand Cru can have a couple meanings depending on the origin of reference. For us, Grand Cru is a blend of some of our most cherished beers. Um, uh, with the hope of delivering a beer that is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and then he goes on and, uh, and talks more about it. But this beer is actually a, a blend of three styles. It's a 50% Belgian style quadruple. Now, anybody that knows me will know that uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also 25% Russian Imperial Stout, and I love that. And it's also uh, 25% English-style barley wine, which is, of course, one of my absolute favorite styles of beer in existence. So what they've done is they've basically taken take three of your favorite things in the world. And yes. Together. Yes, they have. <laughs> It's real hard for me not to, like, immediately like this beer before it's even tasted. I know that this is going to be pretty amazing because St. Arnold keeps their product line so uh, high quality anyway. And I like so many of their uh, beers. This is this is coming in at 11.1%. So, for all of you that are going, oh, my gosh, are you actually drinking during the day? Not only that, but I'm drinking 11.1% today. Um, and this... Uh, this beer comes out you can see it's not very carbonated there's very little carbonation in there it's dark with a little what's maybe if you can get some light through it it might have a little bit of a uh ruby or reddish kind of flavor to it on the nose it's absolutely delicious It's, it's fruity and 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 dark fruity at the same time you get the the fruity from the belgian quadruple you can smell right off the bat you can smell the bitter and the uh and the uh, more uh, darker coffee kind of flavors and barrel kind of flavors from the, uh, from the Russian Imperial Stout. And then you get uh, from the barley wine, which always has, a good barley wine always has the nose of, uh, of a uh, raisin or date kind of uh, fruit. And dried some dried, fruit. yeah, dried dark fruits and things like that. This is, um, I mean, you can smell... The oak in here, the, you smell the oak in here, is just amazing too. So it, it has this, like, even before I take a sip, it has an amazing, uh, uh no on pound. I expect a lot from it. And this should have a beam of sunlight coming down from it, except for that would ruin <laughs> it because that would contaminate it with, uh, um, UV. But, um, that's for the beer nerds out there. But uh, this is absolutely amazing. It's it's an absolute flavor ride from the beginning. You get that quadruple burst of the brighter fruit uh, flavors right off the bat. You get in the middle of the palate is the malty richness, like really big sweet malty roundness, like you get from the uh, from the barley wine. Uh, and it's it's a it's a very sweet barley wines are a, a bit sweet you know some people don't like it don't like them because they're so sweet I actually really really enjoy them and then the finish on this finishes with a little of that bitter and coffee and caramel uh, and and burnt caramel from the uh, from the um, Russian Imperial Stout I can only imagine and probably picking up a bit of that from being barrel aged. Oh, no, it's a blend. It's not The whole thing isn't barrel-aged, but it's a blend of barrel-aged. So probably picking up a bit of that from the barrel-aging on all three of these. This is an absolute joy to drink. If you uh, happen to see now, the bottles are about $10 a piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so you'll find them generally individual, which is going to make a four-pack of them if they sell them that way. Uh, Pretty pricey in the $40 range. But I will tell you, as a treat... And as a happy birthday to me, I'm super, super duper happy with this.
2: Uh, Ian, are any of the three styles, the uh, barley wine or the stout or the uh, Bavarian, are any of the three styles
0: dominant or is it just sort of like a perfect balance of the three? It's a really nice balance of all three. Like I said, the flavor ride, you can kind of taste what's happening across the palate between the three different ones. Um, as far as the dominant flavor, uh, imagine imagine the, uh, the, the really nice fruitiness. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> imagine the really nice fruitiness from the uh, Belgian quad, and then you get the – I think the predominant flavor in the middle of the palate is definitely going to be that barley wine. The barley wine, to me, is what really sticks. And then it finishes – like a little more, like that stout does, so you get a little less sweet finish like you do with a, a straight up barley wine or with a quad. You get a little of that bitter, uh, dark, uh, dark, bitter kind of snap to the finish in the retro hail. You also start picking up the, the really bright fruits. Go ahead, I'll wait. Oh, that was nice. Anything. It's hard for me
1: to tell from here. No, no, we got it. We got it and nice and clear.
0: Um, so, <laughs> so I don't know that I don't know that any flavor is really super predominant. I'll tell you what I taste. The least up front is definitely the uh, definitely the uh, stout. However, the stout is all in the back of it. So, aftertaste wise, it's probably barley wine and stout. But nice. during the taste, that that quadruple hits you right up front. Well, you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with Rogue. The Dead Guy Ale is... It's
2: I love
0: there. Dead Guy Ale.
2: One of the first, like, really serious craft beers I ever tried. And uh, I'm always kind of partial to it. It's one of those you go back to every once in a while. But I saw this uh, as I was shopping, and it's all about the Squatch, And it says, for years... The bat rumors, rumors have circled that deep in the woods on Mount St. Helens lives the fabled Batsquatch. While there are many tales of Batsquatch, they're all a bit hazy on the details, which makes the truth such a juicy mystery. You see what, the, you see what they're doing there? Uh, so what better way to honor the legend than with a hazy, juicy IPA, perfect for camping and potentially making a new friend. It's 6.7%. It is nice and hazy, as you can see in the glass, and... Uh, One of the differences between doing the show on Skype and doing the show in the studio is in the studio we pour ourselves these little samples of beer. Uh, Here, uh, when we're doing the show on Skype, I just pour the whole thing into the glass, kind of a uh, Chris Hart-style hard pour. So, wow. Major citrus on the nose, tangerine,
0: and uh, you must have gotten a good comment there. I did. While you're doing that, citrus on the nose, tangerine. Hold that thought. Uh, Brian posted, it's changed. It's like the Brady Bunch meets Hollywood Squares. (laughs) So you have to picture, if you're just listening to this, Josh, um, you have to picture the way it actually looks on Skype because you have the three different windows with all of us and they kind of blink back and forth and sometimes they change positions and stuff. As long as I'm
2: not Gilbert Gottfried, I'm happy with that. So, uh,
0: (laughs) But his voice—it's so engaging.
1: This beer, is, uh,
2: I know I can't even do a good, bad beer. <laughs> uh, This beer is uh, this beer is absolutely delicious. Um, it is not as it's—it's more of a. I don't want to use the word sour, but it's a little more of like a bitter citrus than it is some of the some of the juicy IPAs that we've had on that have been almost like a sweet citrus, like a, a sweetened orange juice. Um, This is not that. You've got really sort of darker notes of tangerine and grapefruit, maybe. But what it doesn't have, at least to my palate, is that sort of passion fruit or guava balance that makes it a little sweeter. This This is tending to the more bitter side, but in a wonderful way. If you are a person who likes hoppy IPAs, but doesn't care as much for the juicy stuff, because it doesn't really... Maybe show off that that uh, that more uh, upfront hoppiness the same way. This could be your favorite hazy juicy IPA. It's got the citrus. It's got a little bit of that sweetness, but a really nice balance in there where the bitter comes in. I don't think this one would be too bitter for you, Ian. But I don't
0: think it would be your favorite as it goes. Well, would so, it? So it's got a little of well,
2: hot bitter on it.
0: Would it have? Would it have wrecked the palate as you suspected last week? You think? You think it would have clashed? Pretty hard. You know, I, it's not, and of course, I'm
2: still just on the short filler uh, epic Rio here, but um, it's not really killing this so far. But man, we just had such a, I was doing port cast finishes last week, and then I was enjoying that cigar so much that I have a feeling, yeah, I have a feeling it might have been a little disruptive in the middle of, uh, of all of that. So, uh, so I'm glad I saved it. Plus, I'll be having my. Program later, so I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, Alan, did I see that you were uh, your beer there was some kind of a, a chocolate cookie or a what, what was that?
3: <clears throat> so I, I want to take just a second. I had to switch. I had to get a new cigar too, and uh, but I, I, I want to read you the side of this bottle. It mm-hmm. is Buffalo Bayou's. It's one of their 2019 releases, German chocolate cake. decadence can come from a glass too one of the richest recipes we've ever bottled this fat kid's heaven is built from the stuff dreams are made of smooth rich chocolate woody robust coconut and velvety vanilla unmistakable coconut flavor crumbles into a gooey chocolate malt base with an airy buttery smooth finish put that knife and fork away there are no crumbs here but you've got our permission (sighs) To, what? oh, lick the bottle clean and go back for a second. <laughs> so, it reminds me. I, I tried this at the social, and it was really good. And I don't know what the difference is now. Maybe it's the cigar. But Ian and I had one of uh, Saloon Door's ridiculous AFs yesterday, and this blows it away. Really, that ridiculous AF was outstanding.
2: well, I did have some of this at the uh, at the whiskey social this year and of course it was just a little taster and a cup hmm. but uh, I found it to be
0: absolutely outstanding. I was outstanding. you know uh, I want to point out that at the whiskey social um, one of the things that and I don't know if they did this intentionally or just to get it out um, maybe a little of both but they had little cups of it sitting out. So that it got a chance to aerate a little bit and warm up. And I have to tell you that that German chocolate cake tastes pretty nice straight out of the fridge. But as you sit and let it warm up, you drink it slow. As you sit and let it warm up, it just becomes silkier uh, and fuller and more delicious. You start picking up a lot of, like, when it's real cold, you don't get as much of the caramel flavors. You don't get as much of the uh, oak And those kind of things. But as it warms up, you start to taste a lot of those other flavors that are underlying as it, you know, the warmer it gets. Mm -hmm. Correct. Wow. Well,
3: um, how's
2: that that going with the cigar, Alan?
3: It is amazing. So what did you choose for cigar? I switched cigars. I went to one of the uh, Balmoral. Uh, You know, as numerous people have said, they think it's funny that I still say weed. Whenever I'm referring to an E.P. cigar. And yeah. um, as I've said on the show, even after leaving E.P. Curio, hey, Pasa Doble. <laughs> that, um, the stuffer Nesto makes is the cigars of dreams. Uh, Encore, Ringmaster, Dust, La Historia, they're all fabulous cigars.
0: This Ringmaster is, is still one of my
3: absolute favorites. This is the Duetto. It's made by Balmoral. It's actually made by Ernesto. So it uses a Habano wrapper, Brazilian binder, Nicaraguan, and Dominican filler. It's a fabulous cigar. Unfortunately, and this is uh, one of those things that happens. So Balmoral is owned by Royal Agio. Royal Agio got bought uh, about a month ago, maybe a little less, by General Cigar, one of the big conglomerates. Right. and. The Polars, who y'all have had on the show before, uh, mm-hmm. the Polars were the reps for this cigar, and this cigar has been a big seller. Uh, uh, Ian got a couple yesterday. Uh, I, I, I sell a ton of these cigars, and I found out on Monday that General Cigar is eliminating Balmoral. Hmm. I, I was disgusted. I was- <laughs> I was literally disgusted because we have a lot of the guys in the shop that I've turned on to this one. Now, the one Ian has is actually made by LFD. It's made by Lido um, for them. It's called the Pasadoble. Doble. Phenomenal cigar. This is a phenomenal cigar. And I'm just sick. I I can't even order it anymore. I talked to uh, the rep for General Cigars because he sent me a new price list. And I was like, hey. The Balmorals aren't on there anymore. And he's like, yeah, we're eliminating that. I found out yeah. it will be available in Europe, but not this blend. So I talked to Ernesto, <laughs> kind of funny, and showed him a picture. Hey, I'm smoking this. I love it. And Ernesto's like, oh, yeah, it's a great cigar. And I was like, yeah, too bad I'm not going to be able to get it anymore. And he goes, why can't you get it anymore? And I was like, oh, well, they're eliminating it. And he goes, what are you talking about? They had not even told Ernesto that they were eliminating the cigar and he's the one that makes it for him Oh,
2: well, if he's got any of them rolled, tell him
3: to put an EP career band
2: on it and, and ship it out to you.
3: Well, just so happens that I talked to uh, David spirit, their VP of operations uh, yesterday. We had a long conversation yesterday morning. I'd talked to him in a while, just finding out how things are going with them in Miami and stuff like that. And him and Ernesto had had a conversation, and that's what they're going to do, is they are going to re-release the cigar under something else. Um, so people on the show, if you if you run into an EP Carrillo cigar down the road, and it's like, oh, this is great, and it's a new blend. Well, it's actually not. It just very well maybe.
2: <laughs> well. Alan, I want to get into um, how the cigar industry is dealing with uh, – uh, coronavirus, what kind of impact it's having? We're seeing it being almost devastating to um, uh, to craft breweries. Uh, and yeah. there is a there is a, a current estimation that more than half of the craft breweries in the United States could wind up closing, uh, which would just be a really horrible thing because what it would be is all the really cool little ones that are yeah. struggling the most. Yeah. Uh, so, I want to get into that. But first, because we've all now uh, begun to drink, Uh, it's time for uh, something, a new feature we debuted on the show last week uh, called Drinking Stories. And what these are is uh, stories that we may find or come across during our our travels. And, of course, our travels are all Internet-based right now. Uh, But something we come across during our travels during the week that may have nothing to do with cigars or spirits, but may be a great story to share while you're having a drink. So since we all are, let me tell you about a company. It's a farm, actually, in North Carolina. It's called Peace and Peas, as in peace and then peas, like green peas. And thanks to these guys, next time you're on a Zoom video chat, you may be interrupted. And, Adam, I think we have a picture you can throw up here. You guys may have to see this picture on your uh, on your feed, so the delay will take a minute. But uh, your next Zoom chat could be interrupted by Mambo. Mambo is a crazy donkey from the um, peace and peas farm in North Carolina. And for 50 bucks, they will have Mambo interrupt your, there he is on the feed. They will have Mambo interrupt your Zoom chat, uh, which <laughs> I think could be absolutely awesome. Um, he's a crowding donkey and they say he's like a pesky little brother. That doesn't let anyone relax too long They also have other farm animals That you can invite on at guests Including three horses um, Hyron, uh, Zeus, and Eddie Along with some chickens And some ducks So I for one cannot wait To be on a Zoom chat And have uh, the Zoom chat Be you know, guested by, uh, by Mambo To me that would be like The greatest experience of quarantine For sure for sure. So, anyway, there's your drinking news for today. And uh, if you want to Google "peace and peas" uh, to find out how to get mambo on your next Zoom chat, it's fifty bucks. And as far as I'm concerned, it's <laughs> totally worth it. I'm <laughs> abandoning the uh, the crafted by EP Carrillo, by the way, and going to my uh, uh, my 1878. So, I'll be working this one out. Alan, um, tell us what you're seeing in the industry. And you know, you mentioned talking to. Ernesto Carrillo um, and and to different people. Obviously, you're interacting with different companies Correct. there as you uh, do things and uh, get things uh, for your shop. What's it like out there? Are we are we feeling the crunch of this on the cigar yeah. side economically?
3: Yes. Um, so some factories are shut down. Uh, <clears throat> for the most part, Nicaragua is not shut down. Uh, Nicaragua is denying coronavirus wow. completely. Um, they, they say they've only had four cases of coronavirus in the whole country, but the thing is down there is the people that work in these factories, if, if they don't work the day, because the factories are not required to close down, if they don't work that day, then they don't eat. I mean, that's how serious it is. So what they're doing is they're not shutting the factories down because if you're a small factory and you shut down, your people are going to go somewhere else and go, "Hey, you need some help," and so then your your rollers aren't coming back. They're going to go to whoever's going to pay them. Uh, right. The Dominican and Honduras do some of their factories are still shut down. Um, the biggest problem is is the mom and pops. Uh, some of the fa- some of the companies aren't shipping right now. A few of them are. We've gotten a few deliveries. Uh, not that I'm doing a whole lot of ordering, but. A few companies are shipping. Some of them aren't. But I've been doing on Tuesdays with a a group of shop owners and a couple of reps, but mostly shop owners, doing some Zoom meetings. And it's it's not just shop owners here in Texas. It's Louisiana, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Iowa, all over the country as to what's going on with them. And because we kind of... Have a little looser term on what's an essential business. I never closed my doors. Um, I didn't have to. I was by what the city of Galveston said was an essential business. Um, we found a loophole that kept us open. And right, you essential, we, sir. Yeah, exactly. Damn
2: right, you're essential.
3: <laughs> some of the others, uh, some other stores, kept their lounges open in Oklahoma. They said, "Screw it, we're going against the grain." Some of them have come close have closed completely um, wow. and they're, they're saying they're going to come back. Uh, the ones in Texas, I don't know of any shops that have closed and are not going to reopen. I haven't heard that, but everybody is the same thing. Business is slow. Um, it's way down our business. Even though we still have a great core customers, our business, just like the rest of Galveston, the more tourism that's here, the more sales we're doing. Um, course, I had yeah. a guy. I had a guy come in this morning, bought a few sticks, uh, and he was down here from the woodlands. Just wanted to drive around. Um, the beaches open back up tomorrow. So I, I this past weekend, this island was crazy. It looked like spring break. I saw more boats on the water this weekend than I had ever seen on the water. I so, think cabin fever's really started to set in for a lot of people. Absolutely. So people are concerned. Uh LFD laid off the majority of their uh reps. Most of the companies have not done that. The reps that I have talked to, some of them are calling me on a weekly basis, just checking in. Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help you? What can I do? Some of the uh manufacturers, some of the owners, Carlito, Ernesto, Jose Blanco, uh Rocky that I've talked to, they're 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 getting by. They're still paying their reps. They're they're trying to do what they can to help everybody out. Um, the Drew Estate rep, Jenny Lynn, who was on the show when we did the, the one for uh, Maturo's out on the water, her family's from Rhode Island. So when all this happened, she took off to Rhode Island. And I needed some Drew Estate stuff. And they are now shipping. So I called her on Monday, did an order. She's up there. And I told her, hey, Texas is opening back up on Friday. And she goes, well, what do you mean? She's not from Texas. She didn't know. I was like, yeah, retail can open up 25% occupancy. The restaurants, bars, those are all opening up. She didn't know anything about it. So, Mm -hmm. But she told me that her company has told her she can't travel till the end of May, period. No Mm -hmm. questions asked. So um, this is real hard for some of those reps because a lot of the reps um, are 100% commission-based. And so I don't know how some of the companies are doing that aren't commissioned. If they're keeping them, maybe they're giving them some kind of a draw or a, or a salary. Um, But uh, it, it, this is going to be a hard take back because what I have heard from some of the shop owners is, yeah, they can do mail order, but they're not mail ordering from their local store. They're going to CI. They're going to fame and it'll, it will be difficult for the customers that are lost to that, to get them back. Well, I think
0: I think having awareness that if you can call your local shop, just getting the word out there. And I don't know how to do that beyond like this show and uh, and just trying to tell your customers. But having awareness that you know if you call your local shop, maybe you can swing by and pick up some. Uh, curbside, or or maybe they can do mail order that would make a big difference, I think. Yeah, absolutely, I agree.
2: Absolutely, and we'll encourage people just like we've done with uh, with breweries and, and the smaller distilleries. It's like if you've got a favorite out there, somebody that you really appreciate, now is the time to support them. You can, you know, do the curbside delivery, you can go online and buy their t shirts or their accessories. Anything you can do. Gift cards, great time to buy gift cards. If you're yeah. still getting a paycheck and you're still able to do that, support the ones that are important to you and help them you know, be around when we come out of all of this. By the way, the I uh, will just mention you were talking about um, how the factories, uh, if they shut down, they could lose rollers permanently uh, because yeah. that's how those guys uh, make the money to eat. Uh, the Alec Bradley Company in Honduras is actually feeding all of their workers, even though they aren't cranking cigars out from the uh, factory right now. uh, They're determined to feed 700 families of four throughout a 30-day span. Apparently, they use their connections in the Danley area to uh, connect with, you know, staples, eggs, rice, corn, beans, oil, sugar, things like that, and uh, and get them out to their workers and, and their rollers. So, everybody seems to be trying to do whatever they can do, and you know, at least here in Texas, it feels like, you know, it feels like there might be a little light creeping in with some things opening, but yeah. you know, uh, we we of course keep hearing expect a second wave of this in the fall as people get back out. So uh, I think in the big picture, this is far from over. I really do. Uh, well, Ian, um, I'm sure you, you know. Haven't developed any sort of a buzz from your forty-eight uh, um, <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> percent barley wine uh, mixture. That, from oh, this, and, uh, that bottle's empty. <laughs> uh, but I thought you might want to. Uh, uh, thought you might want to uh, taste something else for us here.
0: Well, I do have this big so, bottle of. Uh, you know, the problem with having this bomber, though, is that I'm going to have to drink it. Well, you know, when we do the show together, it's always easier to
2: share these big bombers. I've got several sitting in my uh, beer closet and in the fridge that I've been like, well, I guess I'll wait maybe till we're back together again. I don't know. Because that's a big commitment for a one o'clock a show on a Well, there you go. There you go.
0: Fortunately, fortunately, this bomber is not one of the bigger bombers. This is actually a 17, 16.9 ounce bomber. So it's not as big as you'd think, but here's things I learned in college, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. By the way,
2: while you're while you're pouring that, I'll just mention that when we put up the, uh, the photo of Mambo, the uh, donkey that will interrupt your Zoom chat for 50 bucks, uh, Brian Coltrane said in the comments, hey, you found Chris Hart. Yeah. <laughs> so, so see, our our abuse of Chris extends even
0: beyond the uh, even beyond us into the uh, people that watch the show. So. As you it's see, a- as you can see, I'm actually color coordinating my beers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see that. Which
2: one is dark? <laughs> from, from here they look the same.
0: Well, it's a little tough to tell the different shades of black, but the um, but the Grand Cru might be a uh, half a shade darker. Um, so this is uh, this is the real ale Magnum Trucks, and this is a barrel aged sour. The base of this is a quadruple brewed with black currant, and there's nothing about any of that description that I don't absolutely love. I love sour beers. A lot of people are turned off by sour beers. My wife won't even drink sour beers. She's like, nope, sour. don't want anything to do it. Yet, she'll eat those little sour candies. (laughs) I I, I don't really know. Anyway, um, but this this is uh, being a quad and then sour. This has got a few levels. You can smell, like right off the bat, you can smell that sourness immediately you can also smell the fruitiness going on right off the top this has a very very kind of bright fruit kind of smell going right off the top i'm not picking up a whole lot of the currants, but i smell um i you know what it's I, there's something in there that i'm not quite able to put my tongue on but give me a moment and i will this is really tart and absolutely delicious so uh let's see black currants are added to the barrels to allow to ferment to dryness the resulting notes show current and uh and displays a deceptively smooth sourness it is a smooth sourness it doesn't leave you with that bitter sour tongue that a lot of sour ales do um in the back of the mouth, it leaves it right there on the tip of your tongue, which is very interesting. The uh, currants are absolutely obvious in the aftertaste, and I love that. I love that flavor. I love it when you find like iced tea with currant, and mm-hmm. I just that's a, it's a flavor to me that I really, really am drawn to. Love the uh, there's just as something on the nose. I can't I can't quite name yet, but it'll come to me eventually. Uh, as far as what you taste across the palate. the first the first thing that strikes you is sour fruit and i don't mean sour as in like it's gone bad i mean sour as in there's a bunch of fruit in there almost like a sour candy kind of thing uh with the fruit uh behind it and then the finish is so quick and so smooth and also very little carbonation in this one as you can see it's uh i've I've got this whole like low carbonation dark beer thing going on apparently today, um, and it's uh, it's got a it's got one of those flavors that makes you keep coming back to try it. It it leaves your mouth wanting another sip of it. And there's um, the best sours uh, do that. I think you know they there's have- a little bit of like a, a little kiss of caramel in the back that I wouldn't expect from a, a quadruple. There's, um, there's a little bit of honey kind of flavor going on, hovering around in there, which is a little strange to me with this. Because I wouldn't expect a quadruple to have a lot of honey flavor. Um, and there's a little oak dryness that, after a few sips, starts to show up and it becomes really pleasant as well. Um, this is definitely one to share with friends. And uh, since... Since I'm going to have to share with friends via Skype today, probably means I'm going to have to drink the whole thing, unfortunately. What and by unfortunately, me, I, I'm okay with that. What's <laughs> the uh, ABV there? This one's at 10.3. I actually stepped down about 1% from the last one. It, you know what? So I, I mentioned that it doesn't have a lot of carbonation. It's interesting because on the first sip, it's real silky smooth and then sour. And then on the finish, you get a little of that carbonation bubbliness on the back of the tongue. It's really interesting. And then the aftertaste has a little of that tickle on the tongue, too. I'm waiting. Yeah. Oh, I like hearing yeah. it hit the ground, too.
1: <laughs> good, good.
2: Awesome. By the way, my smoking and toasting <clears throat> bottle
0: opener. Nice.
3: So, we got you one of these, didn't we, Alan? So... Funny story. Uh-oh. Y'all gave me one when I pod crashed when y'all had Chris on at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo. Yeah, yeah. And it was on the table, and I think Adam accidentally picked it up and put it in with the stuff.
0: Uh, because right, I did
3: well, not get it.
0: I think, I Alan, I got one for you next time I see you.
2: So, uh, Krem, ladies and gentlemen, Bourbon Barrel, Imperial Scout. Uh, it says here on the bottle that Imperial Stout was invented for Czar Peter the Great. Fram's barrel-aged version soaks an entire year for roasted malt and cherry notes to make you feel like a monarch yourself. It is 11%, and as you can see, uh, it's dark enough to challenge the uh, two that,
0: that Ian tried there for darkness. So
1: we'll
0: see, see, see how that. this works out. So, so uh, uh, Bruce Stark is asking if we can order that opener.
2: Um, Bruce, I bet we could just uh, get one to you. So uh, we don't have them available for sale yet, but we probably should do that. But uh, Bruce, you're a, you're
0: a regular. We'll make sure you get we'll make sure you get taken care of. Bruce, hit me up on a private uh, uh, private message, and I'll make sure I get that address and everything over. We'll send you one.
2: So on on the nose, this is exactly what you would expect it to be. It's got those sort of stout flavors, the the hint of coffee a big chocolate note and a very malty, very roasted maltiness to it. None of that surprising for an Imperial Stout, but uh, we'll see where we go with the taste. Wow. I'm going to tell you that my first impression is that maybe one of the best Stouts I've ever had. That's just how it hits me on on the first taste. It is just absolutely complex and delicious there's a definite coffee on the finish but you know a, a lot of a lot of stouts either the the booziness of it or the coffee kind of is a dominant note and everything else is much more in the background here it's like five six flavors just all competing for your attention from the very very beginning and it's there's a nuttiness to it almost like a hazelnut uh, quality to it uh, the coffee is there. There's some chocolate, and it's got this sort of grittiness to the mouthfeel. It's not actually gritty itself. I'm not seeing any residue, but it's got
0: um, more of a mealiness, more of a
2: yeah, chewiness it, almost. It reminds me of my wife makes this this fudge or fudge frosting that has a, this wonderful grittiness to it when you uh, when you eat it, uh, and it's my favorite kind of. Fudge. I don't like the creamier kind. I like the grittier kind, and this reminds me of that a little bit. It's not that. It's not sweet like that, but it's got that grittiness. Mm. Ian, I really wish I was sharing this with you. Well, in one sense, Um, but uh, but I do think you would really, really love this. This has got. This is this is. I'm pretty excited for you.
0: The all the beers we've had from Frem have been outstanding. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and I want to say
2: this is the first stout that I've had.
0: Where is where is from?
2: Um, that is a great question, and they are from uh, uh, Hood River, Oregon. From Hood Oregon, River. okay. And they're one yeah. of those little family-owned uh, microbreweries, and boy, do they make great beer. This is this is no exception. This is just love, absolutely fantastic. That absolutely <clears throat> fantastic. Well. Um, Alan what what do you see as the um, if you had to guess at what the cigar industry looks like on the other side of this do you think do you think that there are shops that will close? do you think there are yes. any of the
3: cigar companies that that may actually go out of business? Of I this? don't think I don't think any of the companies will um, you know the micro micro boutiques, the, the people that start those are not the mm-hmm. guy that makes $125,000 a year and, and he spent $20,000 to go buy a bunch of cigars. Those guys usually don't last very long, or if they mm-hmm. do, they've got one specific cigar that they're selling to one specific shop, and it's usually a big shop. Um, those guys, th- those are a handful. Most of the companies are started by wealthy individuals, or... Right. the companies have were started by small guys and they've grown into large companies um, right I don't think there's going to be very many of the manufacturers that go under and if they do I think they'll get bought up if they were a popular brand I think they may get bought up but if, if something like that happens I think it was something that was already in the works they were already wanting to sell or they were already wanting to get out of uh, get out of it the challenge worth- yeah go ahead I'm sorry the the shops are the ones that, and and we don't know right now. You know, like I said, I was on those those Zoom meetings with shop owners and managers, and and there's just a handful of us on there. You know, the one I did Tuesday, I think there was uh, one manufacturer, three or four reps, and maybe ten shops, and the shops that were on there were had had financial backing that the shop wouldn't have to close. Um, But it's all the other shops that we're not hearing about, the small mom and pop that maybe it was opened by somebody that's retired or it's somebody that my dream is to open a shop. And I just don't know what the financial backing of those people are. And, of course, Texas is a little different. We're a little more conservative here. The governor's wanting to get stuff opened up. You know, there's only, what, half a dozen states right now, I think, that are saying, hey, we're going to start opening it back up. And a lot of those states that are not quite as conservative as Texas um, already are taxing out cigars. They tax out shops. Tobacco's is expensive. Um, I, I, I really feel for shops in California. New York already got hit. Michigan, New Mexico, uh, New Mexico has already been under fire from their state legislature badly. They they are trying to tax tobacco out. So it's shops like that. And there may be some of them that have been around for a long time that were just getting by trying to, you know, pay their employees and just day to day. And But we won't see the ramifications of this until later in the year. I do know this, that as of right now, um, the... The PAC, which used to be IPCPR, has said that the trade show will go on as of Mm -hmm. right now. But Las Vegas hasn't reopened, so we don't know if uh, that's a factor.
2: You mentioned taxes, by the way, in New York. October 1st, the tax rate as of October 1st in New York on cigars is 75% of
3: the cigars wholesale price. Yeah, but New York doesn't matter. Because here's the thing. New York... Has they had a real high tax uh, right now. Most of the shops right. there are closed. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the big shops like the Davidoff Lounge, the Nat Sherman Townhouse, um, the, the big staples. But people don't go there and buy boxes. They go there because mm-hmm. it's a destination spot. You know, it's a lounge
2: Houston, that they can go smoke. Yeah, at.
3: Houston's got a destination spot. They've got Stogie's. But Stogie's is a major, major hub in Houston, and their regulars are not going to stop going there. They people right. go there and buy boxes, and when you come into Houston, you go check out Stogies. In New York, we'll take the Nat Sherman Townhouse, I'm sure one of your favorite companies, Bruce. Mm-hmm. But no one goes I've been there. Yeah, no one goes to the Nat Sherman Townhouse to buy boxes. I, I, I take that back. I'm sure there's some guy that lives downtown Manhattan and is a millionaire uh, finance guy that he buys boxes there. But the most people. They go there and they buy a stick or two. The people that are really buying cigars in New York, they're going out of state. They're going to two guys, and they go New Hampshire, yep, in New Hampshire, and they buy their cigars there, or they buy them online. I've got a friend that lives up there that hasn't bought a cigar in the state of New York in six years, (laughs) and he lives in New York. So you know, New York. Alan, do you sell
2: um, uh, Brickhouse uh, cigars in your shop?
3: No, I don't. Um, I do have Fuente and J.C. Newman. I don't have Brickhouse because we went with a few other budget lines. So right. Brickhouse was not one. And I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't had a lot of people come in and asking for it. When they're wanting budget line, uh, you know, we have our own cigar the destination. And so when guys want Brickhouse we refer them to our line.
2: Well, um, interestingly enough, the guys at JC Newman have announced a uh, contest with Brickhouse that I just thought I would share with people. It's the hashtag Brickhouse at my house contest. And the way it works is that you go online to their website. Uh, you order a cigar package that includes five miscellaneous Brickhouse cigars, two Brickhouse teasers that have been aged for five years and a JC Newman torch lighter. Then you pick them up from a listed retailer near near you uh, with instructions on how to enter the contest. But basically, the contest is you put a photo of yourself on social media smoking it with the hashtag Rick House at my house, and they're giving away a number of prizes. But the grand prize is a $1,500 Rick House man cave chair, which oh, that wow. sounded pretty exciting to me. So um, yeah. I. I don't have a man cave, but I'd still love to have a man cave chair. Where would you put it? I don't know. I'd I'd find someplace, though.
0: <laughs> you could you could leave it at my house. I would yeah, take I care go of it. To
2: Ian's house, and he could take care of it for me, and I'd be like, "Hey, and there's Ian. There's like ash burns on this." Uh, I would make sure chair. it's well What's
3: smoked in. It? Hey guys, mm. I hate to do this, I've got some uh, members that are coming in, and the UPS truck just pulled up. So I am going to have to cut this short because I'm actually going to have to go do some work.
2: Alan, give us the uh, address of your shop there in Galveston so people can come and support you by buying cigars.
3: Of course. Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. We're 1813 61st Street in Galveston. Or you can find us at GalvestonIslandCigarLounge.com. Awesome.
2: Well, thank you, Alan, for uh, uh, crashing the show at, at my request and uh,
3: wishing you a happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Ian. It's always great seeing you guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks absolutely. for the great cigar, man. Always good to see you, bro. Of course. Y'all as well.
2: I'll see y'all soon. All right, brother. Ian, we do have just a little more tasting to do before we wrap up here, because I know you've got a uh, a pretty fine-looking rum there in your possession.
0: Well, I know you're excited to hear about this. Mm, i I'm <laughs> this, totally this was a gift from my brother-in-law, um, Tyler. Tyler. Um, he, he loves vodka, loves, loves, loves vodka. So every time we have a vodka on the show, he comes by the house and he borrows some. <laughs> now <laughs> by borrow, I, I don't, I don't know how it works cause we never get it back, but it's okay, okay. because, because on holidays and things like that. He will show up and drop something super interesting, and he's one of these guys who will look for the most interesting thing he can get. This is a very, yeah, this is a very cool bottle. Uh, if you can look at the graphic on there, it's it's really really nicely done. It's very pretty. The um, the uh, the artwork on this, uh, as I stated earlier, is uh, is from a Mexican artist. This is a Mexican uh, Mexican. Um, Rum uh, is from a Mexican artist named Victor Fernandez Limon, and um, apparently he did a few different uh, bottles or series. Or they have this artist series going on, which is really really cool and interesting. the uh, The top of this bottle is wrapped. There's a uh, let me find it because they have it. The name for all this stuff is on here. There's a. This is from some sort of plant, and I can't remember the name of it. Oh. He uses Amate tree, A-M-A-T-E, Amate tree fibers to create the design wrapped around the bottle. Each bottle is individually numbered and unique. The rum in the bottle has a dark chocolate with rusty amber highlights. So if I pick up a bottle of that, the pattern will be different then. Is every yes. Unique? yes. Yes, every bottle is unique. And I have a taster glass here. We're going to try this. Mm-hmm. That is a dark red rum. Look at that, boy! I can see
2: the redness to it. Almost looks like a port. Uh, in terms, yeah, of that, it's very sort of reddish purple color.
0: Very, very interesting looking. And I might have poured myself a little generous.
2: Well, that's all right. Uh, it, it, but you know, Ian. Normally, rum, it,
0: you know, tends toward the more brownish color. Not a. Dark yeah, this has a definite red tint to it that. And I can't, I'm not picking it up from stuff around me because I don't think there's anything red around me except for my lawnmower over there, but I'm not picking it up against that. Um, it's got a very kind of ruby red kind of tint to it. Um, and off the nose, uh, it's not a huge uh, aroma coming off there, but it's really nice. This smells uh, definitely like rum, there's a little of that. Um, little of the uh the the rubber a little of the the sugar is is very obvious the um, the cane sugar kind of smell comes right off of this in a beautiful beautiful way mm. what else am i picking up um, notes of mm, let me taste it and tell you oh Wow, have you ever had a rum that is chocolatey?
2: Yes, but it's not—it's not that common. Usually, it's more mapley, oaky, uh, vanilla, more so than chocolate.
0: Mm. This has a vanilla, chocolatey, smooth. This is such a smooth drink as well. Uh, the interesting thing about this is uh, it's it's forty percent. Um. So 80 proof, however you want to look at it. Um, It's incredibly smooth. Now, this is aged, and they specifically say aged 20 years. This is not a 20th anniversary or anything like that, but aged 20 years. And this is, it shows its age and how smooth and the creaminess. There's a butteriness to this that as I'm talking, the butteriness is slowly just going across my palate. Um, the heat in this is evident, but it's not evident until after the sip. Um, it's there. There's a little snap of heat, and then it comes back as a nice warm whiskey hug or rum hug, if you will. Um, the, uh, oh, so after I taste it, and you know, the, 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 the nose and the, the palate work so well together. But after I taste it, it has this brown sugar like, you know, have mm-hmm. if you, if you ever opened a fresh package of brown sugar? Yeah. Yes. It has this huge brown sugar note to it. And there's a touch of cinnamon on it as well. You know, in my experience, in
2: premium rums, really great rums, have a tendency to fall into kind of two categories. One is that, you know, sort of like overproofed. They bring a bit of heat. They drink almost more like a whiskey than a rum, uh, something like the uh, the Foursquare or some of the others that we've tried on the show. And then the second kind is maybe not quite so much heat, but a real emphasis on the blending of the flavors. This strikes me more as that latter category.
0: This is, there's also a, a really interesting aftertaste, and I'm going to say something that's a little strange to a lot of people that are listening to this, but... You have to understand our palates are are, are a weird thing and there are certain flavors that show up that you recognize that may not be something that sounds great, but this has a slight, uh, rubbery aftertaste, like that slight rubber tree kind of aftertaste to it. That's really, really nice. It lends a nice astringency to it. It gives it a very, I think it lends to the whole aging process and the barrel aging of it. And then, the longer I let the aftertaste linger, the more I taste the very woody notes that are coming through. There's a lot of a lot of oak and a lot of that caramel and uh, vanilla. Lots of vanilla lingering mm-hmm. on the aftertaste of this. So I'm assuming that that aging, of course, this says 20 years, is what gives it that ruby red color like a bourbon. I would say, though, um, you know how we've had rums that we've thought to ourselves, well, this is a good rum, and if you're a bourbon drinker and it drinks right. more like a bourbon this is a rum that you would like i don't think this is that rum this is a very rum like rum uh it's just mm-hmm. incredibly smooth and this is a 40 bottle so it's not price prohibitive uh, it's absolutely uh an outstanding rum and i love the way it lingers on the glass a little bit uh i lo- the butteriness too i mentioned butteriness earlier It's such a nice, like, palate taking over kind of flavor. This would be amazing after, for instance, something with some vanilla ice cream Mm -hmm. or anything like that, and then having this to to finish your dinner, like after a jerk chicken or something really spicy, and then you have an ice cream to help with the spice, and then this would just finish it as a beautiful thing. I would actually... And, okay, so, again, the more it's in my palate, now I get maple syrup, lots of maple syrup and vanilla. That vanilla is so prevalent in here. i just mentioned, by the way, that while $40 does make it a little bit
2: pricier for rum, because you can get plenty of rums in the 20 to $30 price range, um, the concept, imagine trying to buy... A whiskey that was aged 20 years for $40. No,
0: nope, that's not happening.
2: Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really tough to do. So to be able to get that kind of aging uh, on a spirit and still have it be in the $40 range, I think that's
0: phenomenal. I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty amazed by this. Also, and, and rum tends to lend itself to cigars as well. So, mm-hmm. this and my cigar, which I lit a new cigar because I finished my other one. This is a Balmoral, This is one that uh, Alan was talking yep. about earlier. This is a Pasa doble. Yep. And I don't know much about this cigar uh, other than the fact that uh, I picked it up on Alan's recommendation yesterday. I think you've uh, reviewed this, right? Yes, and that that one's uh,
2: blended by the folks at uh, Lafleur.
0: Right. That's a Lafleur. It's an LFD. Blend. Although for an LFD blend, it's a lot lighter than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Either that or I've been drinking a lot heavier stuff than, you know.
2: <laughs> so, but it goes...
0: Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it goes amazingly with the rum. Like, the rum and it are are really creating a, a pair of flavors that are so nice. It's bringing out a, a super nice, like, nuttiness in the cigar, like a cashew sweet nuttiness in the cigar Mm -hmm, that is mm -hmm. uh, not what I expected from that cigar at all. And also, that might be part of what brings out so much the maple notes and uh, vanilla in the the rum as well. But that butteriness, I will tell you, if you like a buttery, smooth rum, buy this. Nice. Nice. I love it.
2: Uh, Two things to mention, Ian. One is that, as the Frem uh, Bourbon Barrel-Aged Imperial Stout has warmed up, it's gotten even better. Yeah, a lot of really stouts do that. Before. Oh, man. This is just like the flavor complexity to this is as good as any stout I've ever had. It's
1: uh,
2: mm, mm, just delicious. And the second thing is tequila. tequila. It's tequila time, my friend.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you do that, before you do
1: that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah, buddy.
2: So this is a beautiful bottle, by the way. This is the uh, Tequila Le 0.925. This is the Agnejo. And it is produced and bottled by Compania uh, Tequilaria. And they are in Jalisco. As most good tequileras are, and I have
0: a uh, that looks like plastic. that looks almost like you see like uh, the tooled pewter on the front.
2: Yeah, it it really does have little, I'm not sure if it, it, it actually not well. No, I think it's I think it's just a silverized uh, paper.
1: Uh, it looks it great is, though.
2: It is a really attractive package. As you can see, it's got that sort of dragon vibe to it. I don't know what. If that's a dragon tooth or what around the top? I love
0: a drink that like comes it. with a dongle. Come on, that's beautiful. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. come on, you got to love that. Absolutely. Uh, so setting that aside, and coming to the nose. Wow, this has got this has got a fantastic tequila nose. So you get the agave, which of course you want in a tequila, but uh, I'm getting. Um, almost a maple that you don't necessarily get a lot with tequila. There's uh, oh, That's a surprising one. There's some vanilla. There's a butteriness, even on the nose. You sometimes get a nice butteriness from a good añejo tequila uh, when you drink it, but not necessarily on the nose, at least in my experience. Yeah, the Ooh. nose on this is fabulous. If this tequila, and of course I have actually already broken into it, so I can tell you that it is. Uh, but I, if I were testing this out for the first time, I would be telling you that if this tastes as good as it smells, it's going to be fantastic. So
0: That's got a very, very light color to it. Very light mm-hmm. straw color it looks like. wow, Like, it's in, so light straw, it's, it's close to clear.
2: In, it is smooth, full of agave and uh, oaky Flavors, even though I know this doesn't rest in oak no barrels, um, full of agave and that sort of um, uh, uh, rich, sort of mapley flavor uh, on the on the palate, and then this just—it's so smooth when it goes down, and then about two seconds later, here comes the—we'll call it the sombrero hug.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> the, the sombrero the, hug, I love it. Uh, uh, that comes back up and just wraps around you. But it doesn't have that, you know, You know, in the movies when everybody does tequila shots and then they make that face? Nothing about this would cause
0: you to make that face. Well, it's one of the nice things true. about our show is that when sampling tequila, no limes or salt has ever been harmed. Mm-hmm. We've never subjected a lime or salt to harm when drinking tequila.
2: Oh. Ian, as soon as we can get back together, I have got to share this with you because... Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, honestly, nice. um, it is a uh, it, it is another good example, and much like your rum, of how for, you know, in the neighborhood of $35, $40, you can buy a premium tequila or rum that just gives you that, that feeling that you are enjoying a fine spirit. Not just a really good, easy-to-drink, enjoyable spirit, but something that is a bit refined makes you feel kind of
0: classy uh, for enjoying it. Well, when you can buy, when you can buy rum of this caliber in the $40 range, and it's a little intimidating, like that's one of the reasons we started doing this show. It's a little intimidating because you go to the liquor store and there are so many choices. Like what do you even try? And then inevitably a lot of people just buy the names that they know Mm -hmm. because they just don't know but I will tell you if you see this Macambo and it's very distinctive on the shelf if you see this bottle on the shelf snap it up that's a rum that you're not going to you you don't necessarily want to make hurricanes with it you know Uh, you might I mean I'm sure like better ingredients equal better hurricane however you might (laughs) lose a lot of the you might lose a lot of the, uh, the the finesse of the spirit, the subtlety, in sure. and of itself. But I will tell you, at forty dollars, like we taste these things a lot of times, so that so that you can hear our our um, tasting notes and decide if that's flavors that you like. By mm-hmm. the way, everyone out there, if you guys get a chance, man, share this out. Share it out to people. Share our uh, podcast out. Go to uh, if you haven't signed up for our uh, YouTube page, sign up for the YouTube page. Uh, we We would love to get the numbers up on the YouTube. It's a great thing to have on in the background if you're supposed to be doing work, but you're not, or if you're um, just just hanging around with nothing better to do or if you've got a TV outside and uh, and you're grilling, that's a great thing to toss on. And listen to uh, you. Don't even have to stare at us the whole time when you're doing it. Right. But <laughs> yeah, man, we'd love to build up our uh, YouTube page as well. I wanted to, I want to start doing some little shorts and little uh, episodes like that. And I'm going to go through uh, a process of breaking down all of our uh, all of our reviews into smaller segments so people can like look it up and go, "Hey, did they review this?" This is something that's that's a long term in the and works. Right. So if you guys get a chance, man, and, and even if you don't watch YouTube, man, go over to YouTube find our page and subscribe and hit like subscribe and hit like just do that for us man it helps us bring out all this awesome stuff and it's going to help get the uh the word out about us uh this is my shameless self uh promotion moment so i (laughs) I would i would super appreciate it man that'd be great to have man just subscribe and hit like and we've got tons of episodes to to hit like about
2: and it's Ian's birthday, so help, help a
0: brother out here. Come on. Mm. It's, it's a good time to do it. Call, it. call it my birthday gift. That'd be amazing. Right. I also What's want to point thing? out that uh, Bruce Stark uh, mentioned that Kazoo beats Twirly Gig every time. So here we go to oh, Twirly Gig.
2: One more thought about this tequila. By the way, I love Patron Silver. But if you're a person that kind of defaults to Patron Silver, spend a few dollars more and get yourself a bottle of Tequila Lay 0.925. You will not regret the few extra dollars you spend because it's not that much more than a bottle of Patron Silver. And it's a completely different tequila experience. This is wonderful. This is, this is making my short list. This is really, really good. I um, want to say, uh, by the way, thank you. We didn't mention it earlier. But want to say thank you to our special guest from last week, Dan Crowell from um, uh, from Glen We got so many comments about man, this guy is serious about his love for whiskey. He's he,
0: amazing, uh, isn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah, he really is. He really is. He's uh, he's that kind of guy. We were talking about this on the uh, on these the chat on Saturday uh, on the Zoom chat. But one of the guys was talking about. Uh, he would take a drink of the whiskey, and his eyes would roll back in his head as he was describing the flavors. Uh, That's—I can only aspire to that kind of aficionado status, you know. Right. That's—that's uh, that's pretty wonderful. So, uh, thank you to Dan. It was wonderful, and he's a friend, and we love having him on the show. And thanks to Alan Denny for being on the show today. Alan is—is uh, is one of those great guys from the—from uh, the world of cigars, and he uh, uh, has pretty good taste, even if he does hang out with us and Chris Hart. So, um, Ian, my friend It is a pleasure to do this show with you Happy birthday um, Be looking for an extremely small package From me uh, With a birthday gift in it And uh, and I, I want to just wish you a, a wonderful week Say hi to your beautiful wife for us And uh, we'll be back here next week By the way, I am thinking Oh, next week, by the way I forgot to mention this On next week's show uh, Christian Olave Will be on the show. He is with the company that represents Jura whiskeys and Dalmore, and we'll be oh nice the Dalmore Cigar Malt Whiskey uh, on next. Do week. you have
0: any idea how good the Dalmore Cigar Malt is?
2: Uh, I'm about to find out because I'm going to buy some this week. Oh so, man, I- I'm going to we'll come see. steal a flask from you. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, we're looking forward <laughs> to that, and then I am hoping. That maybe by the week following that, two weeks from today, we may actually be able to be back in the studio Uh, if we
3: set up our social
2: distancing guidelines. That's uh, fancy. Maybe we can arrange the camera so you can be in one corner of the studio and I can be in the other and we can just kind of like at a bar sort of slide the drinks across to each
0: other. We'll have to, yeah, yeah, slide it across like Sam Malone.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, there you go.
2: So we'll see how that works out, but we're hoping. And uh, thanks, to everybody, for hanging with us through the uh, Skype versions of this. Uh, Christian Olave next week.
0: Ian, happy birthday, my friend.
2: And cheers to
0: you. Thank you so much, and cheers. Have a wonderful day. And thanks, everybody, for joining on. And uh, we'll see you next week.
2: See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Happy birthday.
0: Man, that was awesome, and thank you. I have to go Pete.